This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, Justin. Hey, Andros. How long have you been doing SEO, man? I've never officially done SEO. So I I am a, a student of SEO. I have a pretty strong understanding of it. Uh, but I've never really been a true practitioner of the arts. Like I don't really take on clients for SEO. That might be something that we look at like on the side, but it's not what my central focus is or not what I pitch myself as. Really? That's right. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I do, but uh, I, I cheat because I just uh, installed a Yoast plugin into WordPress <laughs> and call it a day. I, I have a feeling we're going to find out that your SEO just is terrible. No, why, <laughs> why are we going to find that out? Why? Because we have one of the foremost authorities on the subject um, who was kind of a big deal back in the 2000s, self-proclaimed. He was telling me that earlier. So, Oh, I want to find out this story. <laughs> still, I'm sure I'm sure it's still a pretty big deal, but he's re-emerging from the shadows to uh, take on these young guns. Nice. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Andro Sturgeon. <laughs> and I'm Justin Womack. And we are the Marketing Geeks. Marketing Geeks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, all right. <laughs> our, uh, our, uh, tell us about our guest, man. We have a guest. Yes, okay. we do. We do have a guest today. Amazingly, right? Somebody came on the show. Uh, this week, we have uh, Steve Wiedemann, uh, who is a professor and a true practitioner of search optimization. So he's been, he's been doing this a long time, and most marketers kind of come and go. But, but Steve has been in this business since 1988. With an, that's 88, not 98. We're talking 98. 98. 98. It says 80. Okay, okay. That's a that's a misprint then. Okay, 19. I was gonna say like 1988. Man, that's like I had a computer back then. I think, but not AI. I don't. I don't remember the internet being too prevalent back then. <laughs> uh, uh, but what he's not leading is team of uh, SEO consultants for franchise and e-commerce brands. He's a cheeseball romantic, entertaining dad, and world traveler with a passion for life, embracing culture and diversity. So his current projects include a transparency service for small business owners, an online training program, and then experiments that his team is running to better understand the impacts of voice search, featured snippets, and structured data. And I remember because I came to one of your meetup groups back in, I think, 2013 down in Orange County, that your, your claim was back then, and we'll talk about this more, 
that if you Googled the word SEO expert, Steve Wiedemann would pop up. So I met you years ago and uh, it's cool to find, have you on the show now. So please welcome to the show, Steve Wiedemann. Woo! Thanks guys. It's great to be here. I know, uh, I know it's, it's so much that we can talk about in SEO in an hour. So I, I know, um, uh, I know the world gets really changing in terms of, uh, of, of technology and, and what happens in search. And I'm happy to kind of share how, how things have changed in my world and, and uh, hang out with you guys. I think we should dive right into Andres's first point, which was Yoast. Is that is Yoast enough <laughs> for, <laughs> to be a successful SEO expert in the modern era here? Uh, you know, I I don't know. I, I consider Yoast a bit of a, a fail on the part of the WordPress developers in creating something that should be standard as part of a CMS. Uh, titles and meta descriptions and and open graph tags those should be standard. Those are things that that every business needs. Why do we have to use a plugin? I, I, I fully agree with that. And, uh, you know, WordPress has definitely gotten easier, uh, over the years, but I want to, I want to go back because in 1998, uh, SEO wasn't a thing. Uh, how, first of all, how did you get into this and, and give us a little bit about your journey to becoming, uh, like an SEO expert? Sure. Sure. I've I've been a computer geek since the Apple IIe days, right? Uh, in the military, I was in the army infantry and I was part of something called task force 21. And we got to play with laptops and computers a bit. And this whole thing called the web was taking off and we we're using, uh, Usenet and all this, you know, this new tech. And, um, I just kind of developed a passion for it when, um, uh, my term was over in the, in the army. I, I immediately jumped into, uh, website design and, um, on my, my free time when I wasn't you know, working the day job, I was, building websites for local businesses, limousine drivers, DJs, um, just, uh, just small local businesses. And the challenge was that, you know, if I wanted to sustain an income from it, I had to actually make it make money for them. Like, Hey, this, this site with all the bevel and boss buttons and scrolling marquees is awesome, but I, I'm not making any money. It's just like something I put on my brochure. So I had to learn at learn digital marketing out of necessity and what became website promotion and internet marketing. Uh, eventually for me evolved into, you know, really niche local SEO and, um, you know, and, and search engine optimization. That, so that's how I So getting started, getting started, you were doing, so you, you came out of the military. Um, were you, were you working at the same time and you were doing this on the side or was this your gig? I was, yeah, I was doing it on the, my free time. I was working at, uh, uh Pacific Air Health Systems. Okay. At that time. Yeah. Fun, fun. And, yeah. and you, you had an opportunity. So this is kind of an interesting story. How did you get your first like real client? Um, good question. I think, I think it was actually one of my coworkers. One of my coworkers did a, I had a DJ business on the side. Yep. Interesting. So a side hustler helping a side hustler. I like it. So what, what was SEO like back in the early days? Like, cause it, it was, it was a lot different than it is today. <laughs> yeah. It was a wild, wild west. You know, we, we would try and test everything and anything. And um, before Google, it was a lot of, uh, directories and directory submissions and, you know, Yahoo directories and, um, geez, I can't even remember the names of some of them now. The Which were curated by hand by real people at the time, right? <laughs> like so, were- so we learned from each other. Yeah. We would, we would search for, for information on, on how to do certain things. And, uh, folks like Danny Sullivan and Bruce Clay and Aaron Wall came out of the woodworks and started sharing what they were learning online. And, um, you know, us as, as followers would, you know, would, would take all that information and test it and then build our own lists. You know, in fact, when I was learning SEO and I wasn't even calling it SEO back then, I was, I was taking all the different things I was learning and, and grouping them into, you know, is this design? 
Uh, is this is this development programming coding stuff? Is this uh, more on the promotion side of things like web directories and RSS feeds? Um, you know, or uh, is this a different thing that um, doesn't apply to any of those groups? Is this content related? Right. So I took all those different sort of disciplines of what I was learning and grouped them into a book that I called the ebook that I called the four layers of the SEO model. And, um, and it, it was really me building a guide for myself for taking on new clients and turned into something that I was able to sell through ClickBank and, you know, make some money on back. How, how much did you sell it for? Cause I remember in the early days of eBooks, it was either like cheap or like super <laughs> expensive, like 200, $300. It was like 24 95 or something. I think. Okay. You're in the middle, but okay. it was, but it was amazing. <laughs> you know, when you're sitting there at, at work and all of a sudden you start getting those ding, 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 like, Holy crap. I just, I just made like 400 bucks today, you know? So <laughs> That's pretty cool. it was, it yeah, was exciting, cool. you know, when it was the early days. So other things that we would, we would experiment and, and try with SEO is we would, we would put keywords in the source code, but not render them on the page because they had these beautiful flashed websites back then, a lot of them, or flash hybrid sites. And you couldn't really put H1 tags and headings and subheadings on the page. You couldn't really, you know, do anything with images because it was one little Swift file that, you know, search engines really couldn't navigate through. So, um, so we would put our H1 tags at a negative 5,000 margin off to the side. So it never <laughs> show up and, all sorts of crazy. And we even did this thing at one point where there was a single uh, page site that wanted to rank multiple keywords. So we would create all these extra pages with keywords in the background and then JavaScript redirect to, um, you know, to the homepage. And then we'd submit that page and link to that page so they get picked up by Yahoo and, and other engines. Oh, the early days of SEO. Oh yeah. We didn't know what we were doing. You know, there wasn't any guidelines or or, um, well, there was no enforcement. There was no rules, and Google hadn't slapped everybody yet, right? So, <laughs> you know, when they came out with the the SEO starter guide, that was like, that was like telling the world, look, we're we're not going to make this some big secret. We're getting we're getting smarter at how our algorithms work, and we're less afraid to share uh, some best practices that might make a difference. So, one of the things, one of the tips, I guess, I have for people who are listening today is find that Google SEO starter guide and use a tool called Visual Ping, P I N G. Uh, to get a notification whenever it changes. That way you can see how Google's changing their starter guide and evolving it based on on what they're looking for, um, you know, as search evolves. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting because when was that in uh, 2013 when the, the net apocalypse happened for <laughs> SEO? Was that Penguin or which one? Or I forget what the name yeah. of it is. Yeah, 2011, Panda. 2011, and, and basically I remember I had a, I actually had a client at the time and he called me up and he was panicking and he's like, all of a sudden my site is nowhere to be seen. And I'm like, I... <laughs> You're going to have to start from scratch, man. But my site's been there forever. It's like, well. You know, you can do one of two things, you know, when that happens. You can try to find other ways to sneak around and get around the guidelines, right? And and constantly have to move your domain and play all these games for the rest of your life. Or you could just say, all right, that's it. I'm, I'm yeah. having an amnesty period. I'm going to turn in all my, you know, my weapons of, of SEO destruction. And I'm going to focus on just creating, you know, amazing stuff. Yeah. I mean, the rules have, the rules have changed and it's like, are you going to respond by just saying, okay, I have a little bit of adversity. I'm just going to cave and complain about it. Or am I going to actually take action and fix the things? So. Yeah. But I understand, you know, I understand some of these, some of these other SEOs are like, well, um, I'm so sick of the cliche of, of you have to make great content, make great content. It's like great content doesn't attract links. You have to do other stuff too. And it's, yeah. And, and it's, it's tough because they, they haven't really done it right yet to know what, what 
making good content can really do. I mean, we, we took a, a, you know, a site that was focused around one little area in one small state in, in Kentucky. And, you know, we were able to help this client rank nationally for the most competitive keyword in personal injury by building out some really solid content and having a design company come in and make this amazing page with, um, you know, what we have like 70 supportive pages underneath it now that I'll talk about the different things that, that are involved in that primary page, that parent page that we want to rank. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, if you do it, if you really just take time and you, and you develop it, by the way, that took a year, but the client, client made over $30 million in cases wow. at the end of, of well, that year. Let's, and, talk about content. Uh, let's talk about content. Like what, what is good content? I mean, we're, I mean, we're talking blog articles, we're talking videos, like what, what are you putting out there? And if you're doing like blogs, is there, have you tested like an ideal length? I asked this question before I've heard many different answers, but <laughs> yeah. I'm just kind of curious what your experience has been with, with all that. Yeah, no, I guess it depends on, on, you know, what part of the audience you're, I know you're sick of SEOs going, it depends. Depends on what kind of the uh, part of the audience you're targeting. If we're talking about sales pages, that, that lower funnel customer attracting content, right? That content needs to consider what all of the actual needs and desires of the users are. So one, one trick that we do is we run a survey through like Mechanical Turk, right? We'll use our survey monkey link and throw it into Mechanical Turk by Amazon. And we'll ask a thousand people, if you were searching for this word, what would it be that you were actually looking for, right? Beyond just, you know, solving for the search term, what is it you're actually looking for? Uh, case in point, one of our clients was trying to rank for wireless router. And so we, um, we said, let's, let's run this survey and let's find out what people are looking for. The client was adamant, oh, they're looking to buy a wireless router. Well, it turned out only 56% of people were looking to actually make a purchase. Others were looking to compare routers. Some were just looking to figure out what the heck it was because someone's son told them that they need one and they need to go you know, investigate to figure out what the heck it is. So from that, we designed a page that says, you know, buy our latest, greatest, fastest, best router now, skip you know, the wait and just get into it, compare routers or learn about routers and how they work. Mechanical Turk, that is, is that like a, a, the Amazon, where, is that where you pay people to take surveys? Is that yeah, it's, a, it's an anonymous um, crowdsourcing tool that you could use to get people to do micro tasks, like tag images for you. And, you know, I didn't, for some reason, I didn't remember that name, but I've, I've heard of it. Yeah, okay. I'm yeah, it, was all, it was also the tool that Brent Payne used um, several years ago to show how you can manipulate Google autocomplete results through getting people to search for certain words. It was interesting. Kind of an interesting exploit. Huh. So, so, uh, okay. Going back to, um, I want to, I want to take it back just a little bit because you told me when we, just before we started this interesting story about how you at one time were ranked like for, if somebody just typed in SEO expert, SEO expert, you showed up. You just, you guys just want to see me humble up. Okay. We could do it. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about this, this, uh, how, uh, you, you know, you were, you were bragging about it a lot and, and there was some backlash or what, what tell us, yeah, tell us give the us story. A story, tell us the story. Sure, sure. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a really interesting period of my life. Um, 2006, 2005, 2006, uh, I was working for Disney parks and resorts. I was running paid search for Disneyland.com and adventures by Disney. And I was really challenged by adventure by adventures by Disney. Cause it was all flash. So it's my boss, Terry, and I said, Terry, I really want to do some of the SEO part of this so that I can you know, see better quality scores in my paid search and start to see some traffic organically. He's like, we're Disney. We don't, we don't need SEO. We're already a big brand. We don't need it. And so he said, tell you what, prove to me that you know what you're doing with SEO and I'll, I'll see what I can do. So um, I said, well, how do I prove that to you? And he's like, well, show up for something and prove that you can show up for something. I'm like, well, I'm already number one for like 
Orange County SEO expert, which I was, you know, back in 2005. And he's like, yeah, but nobody searches for that. It's 2005. Half people don't even know what that is, let alone, you know, search with Orange County in it. So tell you what, get to the first page for SEO expert. Um, and then, and then we'll talk. And so I build a page for SEO expert on this little site called top 10 SEO tips, which you can use archive.org if you want to see the actual page. And, um, you know, I used all the SEO best practices, headings, images, video. Um, uh, I used some of the other web assets I had to link to the page. And, um, and I did it. I got to the first page within about three and a half, four months. And I said, Terry, check it out. I'm on the first page for SEO expert. And it looks and it goes, yeah, it's not number one. Like, oh my God. So here I you go. You said page one initially. You changed the game on you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I had all these meetup events, right. And, and workshops and stuff I did. And one of the things I would do is I'd say, Hey, search for SEO expert. Where do you see me ranking? And, um, and then I say, how many people actually clicked on my listing? Thank you. You just helped me move up, move up in search results because click through is, is a, a long-term pattern of behavior that Google infers is usefulness or helpfulness. And, and how so, long ago, uh, what, what year was this, that this was all happening? Uh, 2005, 2006. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, so I did it and I got to the, the first position with this page, but I had to have every single social profile and bio and everything I had about me have SEO expert next to it for it to work. And, and I showed people that the guy who, who I outranked, who had better links than me and had links from colleges and universities and um, all this uh, and, and even government websites, I still outranked him because the occurrence of my name and the phrase SEO expert was more prevalent than that competitors who was just you know, getting a few really good links. So, um, so I, I proved a couple of things in that, but in doing so, everywhere I went said SEO expert and I started to try to get into uh, the conferences and, and uh, pitch you know, speaking and, and put myself out of the computer world and, and in front of an audience and kind of share, you know, what I'd learned, but they weren't accepting me because of this whole, um, you know, search for SEO expert. I'm number one SEO expert. And, um, you know, and that now, was now, now, what, like, what was the, what was the backlash there? Like if you, was that, you can't be an expert in something where there's, there's no documentation. Google didn't have any documentation back then. It wasn't an SEO starter guide. So nobody knew what it was back then, basically. Still, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And and to brag about, yeah, to brag about something that you can't be an expert in because there really isn't, you know, Google didn't say, here's how you rank your website in our, our search results. You were just 10 years too early. That's all 10 years too early. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, so that, that happened. I had it for 12 years, if you can believe it. Wow. So it's, it's kind of like saying I'm, I'm an expert in uh, finding holographic mates for your AI sex robot. And nice. number one, and, number and one. Expert. If I said that now, people would be like, <laughs> I, "I, I, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna rank myself." So that 20 years that. from now, you could be like, "I was the first. I was the first. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That'll be my claim to fame. Now, you, you mentioned that there was a little bit of backlash, mm-hmm. and can you, can you, do you mind getting into that a little bit? Like, what sure. happened from there? Yeah, you know, I, I, I tried to, to put myself in some of those search forums, you know, and, and try to help other, other people. And, um, it seemed like everywhere I went, the, the door would shut on me almost immediately. Like here's this braggart who, you know, ranks for SEO expert and, you know, thinks, thinks he's all that without even really knowing me. But when, when those cases happen, when I did get called out by somebody and, you know, I created a site called seostandards.org years ago. And, uh, eventually, uh, my business partner and I split and he grabbed it and recently he just gave it back to me. So, um, but when I created that site, uh, one of my peers, Michael, uh, Michael Martinez jumped in. He's like, who does this guy think he is creating a site called SEO standards, you know, and, um, 
you could just tell that, and he was a big voice in the community. You could just tell that everybody, everybody agreed with the sentiment that you really shouldn't brag about being the best, even even if you might be the best. Bragging about it is, is just bad form. Well, it's, that's interesting and, uh, because that opens up a whole other conversation. I, I think part of that is just you had the wrong gatekeepers or you had a jealous gatekeeper or something that <laughs> you had to deal with because I mean, yeah. you know, in marketing, I mean, there's so much about like authority building and there's so, if you, if you look at like, you know, the way people do things like a lot, you know, every website these days, it has like Forbes, you know, I was in Forbes, I was on NBC, I was on, you know, they're, they're citing references, they're bragging about themselves. I guess uh, yeah. there's a subtlety to it in some ways. And maybe if you're too overt, <laughs> it, it becomes too right. obvious. Right. But, but I do think yeah. part of that is also though, the, um, that you're coming across certain gatekeepers and, and one of them has a ton of influence, then yeah, even if it, it comes down to sometimes I it's mean, not one person. It's like, yeah, how do you interpret this the opposite and been like super impressed? You might've just jumped to the top right away. So it's kind of... I, yeah. I, I, I think it comes down to like, and this is, this is the, it's the social proof angle. If, if you are saying, you know, I'm the best say wall builder in the entire world, uh, you know, then does that make you a good wall builder or does it make you someone who says that you're a wall builder and then the wall blows over uh, in Mexico? Uh, Sorry, that's a total tangent, but uh, um uh, but, but, but if, if you get someone else to say that you like, what I think what the mistake was, was back then, if you had gotten other people to say, Steve, he's the SEO yeah. expert, like, you know, we, you got to book this guy. Cause he knows what they up. said, go search uh, SEO expert, but not you. Then maybe <laughs> you gotta, right. you gotta get one layer in between. <laughs> you gotta get a, your, your own right. personal Ed McMahon. Well, I did. I did get a lot of clients from just that though. Oh. I did get several that said this guy well, is kind of a big deal. When I, when I went to your meetup in 2013, I remember you mentioned this and I think, I think cause you still were ranking for it at that point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it very much impressed me. So I took it, I was impressed. Um, cool. So I took it differently than somebody else. Uh, but yeah, I, I do. Like I said, it, it's, it depends on the person and, and it also does help when, when somebody else says great things about you, it like gives that layer of, uh, whatever the word is dissonance or something. <laughs> it separates you but, from it. validation for sure. And, but I also think that, that, and I'm sure Steve, you could relate to this is like as, as an SEO, SEM person, if, if you, if, if somebody is looking at your work there and they're an SEO, SEM person, they're always going to pick something out and be like, Oh, this guy doesn't know. Cause he's doesn't. Da, 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 da. I mean, I, I, it's just kind of, I, from my experience, whenever I dealt with other SEO people who are mm-hmm. SEM people who are working on a project that I'm coming on to, yeah. the first thing they do is they try and take me down. I'm like, ah, what does this guy know? And it's, there's like this kind of bitchy trolling <laughs> that happens you know, um, there, but, there's so but, many times I was going to take it down. And, and then when the phone started ringing and I started getting inquiries and people were like, wow, this guy's, you know, the number one guy, Hey, I'm, I'm calling you because all these other SEOs have ripped me off. And you obviously proved yourself by being number one. I stuck with it. Like I said, 12 years because it, it was a big business driver for us, but yeah, it paid um, the bills. But, but so, so what happened out of that? Like, what was the, what, what eventually happened? So our, our, our business, we incorporated in 2015, you know, or kind of the agency's agency. Uh, we are just backlogged with, with work, <laughs> number one. Uh, and two, you know, to, to continue to sort of show our, our, our presence in the industry, you know, I, I really had to start connecting with the right people and, you know, decide what was more important, this, this one page and this one stream of income um, or, um, you know, reputation and friendships and, um, you know, and, and who I'm remembered as. 
So, you know, I, I kind of made that decision of, you know, I'm going to let this thing go and I'm going to focus on trying to really put myself in the community. And now it's, it's amazing how many friends I've made and how many Facebook groups and LinkedIn groups and Twitter feeds and, uh, and things that, that I get to be a part of now. I'm even in a, in a support group of SEOs who were all very similar to me where they, wow. you know, they um, do audits and are the multi-personality introvert tech person, psychologist, content writer, and um, uh, outgoing uh, link builder who have to be all those personalities is a, is a lot mentally to take on. And it's, it's just really amazing what the, the community offers if you give up the, the ego and you jump in and just, just genuinely try to help other SEOs. Now, I, I want to I take a, just a little step back. It, what was, what was the, there must have been a moment when you were like, you know what, I can't be the guy who's like crowing on, you know, top of Mount Google. Uh, I, you know, there must have been something that humbled you and, and the, the, like that moment where you kind of like had to give that up. What, what, what happened there? Right around the the period where I took the page down, um, I was what was going on. I was I was pitching a lot of conferences at the time, and and I was pitching conferences with data stuff like like, hey, I'm working with the largest storage franchise in the world, and I'd love to share some of the tests that we ran to move our our rankings up in Maps and Organic. And I'm like, how did they turn this pitch down? You know, hey, I'm I'm working with uh, the largest entertainment technology company, and we did something pretty amazing that drove links and I want to, you know, talk about what I did and what checklist and what process, you know, Hey, we, we train SEO agencies on how to build an SEO strategic plan from beginning to end. And I'd love to share that with a, you know, a, a session. And I just kept getting turned down and turned down and turned down. I'm like, what the hell is going on? My pitches are, are fantastic. They're, I've, I've even had them like proofread by, by writers and like, how in the world did they turn this down? You're like, you're like the real deal. And, um, you know, and it wasn't until I started reaching out to some of my, the few friends that I did have. And, you know, one, one of my best friends, you know, in the industry is Warren Whitlock. And um, I asked him the same thing. He actually snuck me onto his stage at one point at PubCon just so that, um, you know, the conference could have the opportunity to see what I have to offer um, because they just wouldn't accept me. And, um, and he told me the same thing is like, it's, it's this SEO expert thing. And so I started really listening, you know, to what, what peers and, and other SEOs were saying. And, I was starting to read these statements, you know, after this whole paradigm thing where it, uh, some people were saying, I don't respect anybody who calls themselves an SEO expert and just, just things like that, you know, enough of that theme, uh, all kind of boiled up into, you know what, this, this is hurting me more than it's helping me. You know, we get enough business from referral. We don't need this page anymore. Let's let it go and, and try to be part of a community. And now, now I get to, to go to these events. I've spoken at a few of them. I have these amazing friendships. If you follow some of the the Facebook um, streams that are going on and, uh, and things that are happening where I'm involved in it. You can see just a lot of camaraderie, a lot of laughs and friendships and dinners out and meetups. And um, I wouldn't trade that for anything. I don't think I'll That's ever amazing. trade that page again. Now, yeah. was, was, there, was there like, I mean, that must have been pretty incredible. I mean, I've, I've had those moments where, you know, a, a friend of mine does that heart to heart, like Andros, you're awesome, but like intervention. Yeah. 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 And it, it's, I had another one too. recently. Oh, Andros, oh, really? Andros, sit down, sit down we have to, <laughs> again. We have to again? have a talk. Uh, no, but, but, but that's, that's amazing that you were able, I mean, was that, was that tough? Cause when, when those oh, things yeah. happened to me, it's, like, was, it's it was more, heartbreaking. You know, it was yeah. cause I, you know, have that page up for so long, Yeah, you know, 12 years of being, you know, in a number one spot for a keyword. 
that was um it was a really really tough thing to let go i mean it was kind of like um kind of like that old t-shirt you don't want to get rid of that was your favorite or yeah. you know it's it's uh it's the car that you keep trying to fix that everyone keeps telling you just get a new one and um but uh but it was it was life-changing for me you know it, it humbled me i think there's something to be said about uh, about the idea of just using the word expert in general though because in some respect, when you use the word expert, you're you're almost shutting yourself down as a continued learner or like a lifelong learner. But that's how people search, you know. That that's a and, and I I agree I agree on that on that regard. Um, but I I think because you're saying there's backlash to it, I think that there that part of the part of that is coming because of uh, by calling yourself an expert, in, in a sense, maybe other people feel like they're being discounted or um, or they think you're overstating your value. Uh, I don't know, but I mean, early on, I called myself like a digital marketing expert and I stopped doing that and changed it to like specialist or something like that. Strategist. That's what I have on my business card now. Senior strategist. Yes. I do think there's some like internal, like psychological um, effect by using that term. Now, I agree with you though. If if the data shows that people are searching it, then you'd be foolish not to want to rank for it. So that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, for sure. So, so you said you had uh, an experience just recently, right? I did. I did. So you you mentioned when you did the intro about the transparency site that we created called SEO verified. Mm -hmm. Uh So we created this SEO verified.com as a way to send clients uh, somewhere that they can get information. If they call us and they say, Hey, I'm a plumber. I know I I can't afford a you know a consultancy. I really just need an SEO practitioner. But I think my SEO company might be ripping me off. How do I know? And so we created this site to help build transparency to give business owners and webmasters you know something to um, to use to sort of audit their agency or their internal resources to make sure that they have ownership of their web assets that their website won't be turned off if they stop working with them make sure they have admin access to their own analytics so that when they stop working with them, they don't lose all that data um, to make sure they're using just, just very bare bones, best practices with um, HTTPS and privacy and ADA, right? All of those things that, that are sort of fundamental to, to user experience that have a, you know, an impact on SEO. Even some of these SEO people are hosting the sites for them too. I mean, they're like, they're not only are they doing the SEO, but they're launching the site and then they're hosting it and they have full control over everything. So if they leave, they could just take the entire thing away. They have full control over your business because most of your business comes from the web. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is a great way to, you know, get residual income uh, from your client, but also, uh, it's It's also shady. (laughs) It's a little shady. So, so what happened? So what happened? So we went over the top. We uh, we decided, hey, this could be a good PR thing. Maybe you know, if we really want to get some visibility to it, let's um, let's push the envelope. And so, so are you creating like a freelance network? Are you going to have like SEO people that you refer out? Then I mean, is that is that or no, 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 not okay. at all. It's it's completely. But what we did do is add an audit like option page. Some some of the business owners that were getting it were like, hey, I I don't have time to do this. I don't understand it. Will you just do it for me? So we're like fifty bucks. We'll do it for you. Um, you don't want to become the you don't want to become the certification company that certifies SEO experts and then they go to your site, oh, take yeah. the test, they're like, oh, okay, you're SEO. <laughs> hey, I do I do have a certificate thing that we do, but it's a certificate of completion for my course that's that's based off of what I teach at Cal State Fullerton and UC San Diego. So if you do take that course, there is a little you you know, here's a certificate of completion for taking a course by you, you teach at the colleges? I do. Okay. I didn't, I missed that in the bio. I didn't see that in the bio. That's pretty cool. That's a good, uh-huh. good claim there. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so, so my, my peers, my, my friends at aim clear actually gave me a call, Eric and, um, Michelle, and they said, 
we need to talk to you about these banner ads that we're getting remarketed with. You know, what is this? Your SEO company is ripping you off with a subline of, well, maybe they are. Find out here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe I went a little over the top. So we, we pause the ads and we're going to revisit and come up with something a little bit more tactful, such as um, there are good SEOs and bad SEOs. Find out you know, which, which ones are working with you or something like that. So we're going we're gonna to change the messaging and be a little bit more passive. The, the vision was one day we'd have a little booth at conferences in between the agencies you know, that, that says, see how, <laughs> how transparent your agency is. And we'd have everybody at the booth wearing bulletproof vests, yeah, you know, just, just say, for fun huh. PR, you know, to be, be different and unique and stand out. But again, I'm going back to the SEO expert thing and, you know, and uh, creating waves. So we're going we're gonna to taper it down a bit. Now, now you mentioned that that when you pulled back kind of from the self-aggrandizing and were more helpful to the community, you had a more enriched sort of experiences, interactions with other people. Did you, uh, did it hurt your business at all? Or did you find that it, it no change? I mean, how did it, how did it change financially for you? Sure. Well, you know, it's always easier to to convert a referral than it is from somebody who's just an inbound. So our our referral side of the business was really making most of the money at that point. And you know, I had gone through teams of salespeople and you know, no one can really sell your business the way that you can. And nobody nobody can come in without the 20 years of experience and talk intelligently about uh really really high-end or or uh, micro SEO topics. So, so what we were doing and, and what we had dealt with forever is all of the leads that were coming in from SEO expert and from the SEO, SEO that we were doing back then would go to a salesperson and eventually end up back in my queue. And I found myself working in my business and not on it, you know? And so, so really, I think more than, more than anything, even though there was a little bit of a drop in revenue, um, it, it's really balanced my time mm. better. It helped help me, you know, it, it gave me the freedom to start working on my business again. Um, we have a new website we're going to be launching this year that is completely, um, you know, uh, different than anything we've ever done before, where we're focusing on courses and, and downloadables and roadmaps and education as opposed to selling our time and services. So um, I, think, I think, yeah, there was a, a little bit of a financial impact, but, but the, the benefits outweighed, you know, the... I was watching an interview you did on YouTube uh, before this to just to kind of prep. And it was you, it was you and Chase uh, Reiner or Chase Reiner. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, Chase was driving through the area. I'm like, dude, swing by. Let's do a video. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, watched, I watched that. And you mentioned, because um, I relate completely to this, how you were, you were working for um, corporate clients. And when you did that, it, you know, it was just like you would do anything to please the client. And mm-hmm. uh, it would just take over your entire life, basically. Oh, yeah. And now you've kind of had to change your structure because of uh, time, basically time management issues. And I've experienced that. and I'm currently somewhat experiencing that right now. Um, but yeah, can you talk a little bit about that? Like just how, um, like kind of what you noticed about what, what your trend, like what your patterns were and like kind sure. of how you're like, how you came to the realization and, and fixed it? <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's a nice guy's finish last scenario, yeah. right? It's, it's client comes to you, they trust you, they believe in you and you don't want to let them down. And if they, if they feel discouraged, they feel like, Hey, this, this process is taking too long. Then, then you want to go just completely above and beyond to show what you can really do. And in doing that almost every time you're going to break even or, or less. And um, it's just not, it's just not an effective way to run your business. The other thing I tried to do was scale by 
um, by kind of becoming an agency at, at one point where we did more than just consult for our clients. We we had in, in this little office here, I'll show you my little office. Um, we had in our little office here, um, like five different desks set up for writers and link builders. And they sat across from each other and they could all do 75% of their job really well. But they could only do that 75%. I had to jump in and help with the other 25. Now you take four of those resources that require 25% of your help and you've just given yourself a completely second job, like a whole nother job. So, you know, and it just, it just came to the reality for us that, that, you know, we were, we were going above and beyond. Our clients were making millions of dollars. One went from zero to over $27 million last year. Wow. The $30 million case thing I mentioned earlier. I'm like, what are we doing? We're making millions of dollars for these clients and every month they're haggling us, you know, on invoices and stuff. And like, wow, we're, we're changing their business. This, this one business didn't even really exist, you know, until we came in and, 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 you know, built out a, an information architecture and site structure and content plan for them. And now it's like, wow, they're making all this money yet every month they're, they're, they're pushing us. And that's what good business owners do. They push their vendors to do more, to yeah. do better, to, you know, to give more. And we're like, you know what? We're tired of being a vendor. We're more, more talented. We've got more experience to be in that vendor world. So now we're going to step away from that. We'll be a wingman to some, some really good brands that we like to work with. Yep. Um, and uh, instead, we'll focus our energy on sharing our knowledge in a, in a scalable way by courses. And Steve, Steve Jobs comes to mind when you mentioned about like uh, good, effective CEOs pushing their people. Yeah, over pushing. <laughs> I mean, he sounds like he was like the worst person ever to work for, but he yeah. also, you can't, no one can argue with how effective the guy was, but uh, <laughs> terrible to work for, I think. <laughs> so, so Steve, you're going through like a kind of a pivot right now, right? We are. Yeah. So, uh, so first of all, I, I want to find out like, uh, you know, you, you were doing SEO one particular way you got mm -hmm. up to a certain level. How has SEO changed? Like what is effective SEO today look like? Like now that you're, you know, yeah. what, are, what are some key areas of focus too? You know, like those kind of things. Right. I, I think that the first focus for, for any business doing SEO is to make sure that they're, they're grounded on the principles and make sure that number one, that our pages are the most relevant and helpful to the user. Uh, number two, that every month we're earning more visibility um, around the topics that are important to us about what we do. If we're, if we're a truck accident lawyer, we're sharing checklists and, and content that help people who've been in accidents and every month growing the number of links of people who are referencing glossary terms and definitions and examples and pictures and videos, podcasts, etc. Number three is making sure that that we're keeping our listing as attractive as it can be in the search result. The, the latest Google update that happened just a couple of weeks ago took all those websites that had the FAQ markup and, and uh, you know, rich uh, markup already ready to go. It, it moved them way up to the top. And a lot of people who just have that regular listing, the blue link and the black text moved down. So really paying attention to what type of content we can put out in the search results to get more real estate and to get more clicks. So those, those sort of, relevancy, popularity, and user behavior signals, I think are paramount. And, and you shouldn't be doing new things until you have those three things handled. We are improving how relevant we are, how popular we're getting, and what that user behavior experience looks like you know, in search results and so forth. Then, then you can evolve to something that, that we've been sharing called Vroom, right? Voice readiness, uh, mobile markup, and measurement. Those are the areas of focus to expand 
upon those principles and build on that foundation. And that's, you know, really starting to experiment with voice search. If you, if you remember, Google made this big update last year where they said, we're going to use the mobile version of your webpage now when we crawl and, and uh, rank your website. So why does the search box on your mobile site still have a magnifying glass and not a microphone? Why aren't you using a Google Voice API for people who want to click a microphone button and voice in their query instead of pull over to the side of the road and have to use their keyboard? Um, why aren't we picking up Google alerts when people ask questions that we have a landing page and short summary for so that more occurrences of our short summary can show up online for Google to crawl and start to think that maybe our short answer is the best one for that featured snippet? You know, um, why aren't we using the, the Google Action Console and the Alexa skill um, set there to, to really make sure that when people want to interact with our business after hours, that they can, they can interact with a voice bot and, you know, and ask questions about um, the, the common questions that come into your customer service line. So, so I got I a think, question, uh, and I probably, I probably shouldn't know this, but I don't. Um, does Google release data about voice searches versus text searches? Uh, do they gosh. distinguish the difference? They don't. That's what I thought. Okay, are there tools that do that? Because I've never seen that if they do. You know, in, in paid search, we can still see a little bit of that data. Um, there is some, there's some historical data still floating around out there that can give you an idea of the words that people use. You can also look at the query. You know, if the query seems a little bit yeah. um, off Spoken. or different, like it seems <laughs> yeah. like before the query, they use the 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 hey word, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll use it and set up all hey, my machines. Hey, Google. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, you can look at some of those queries and and segment them. We when we did our keyword research for um, one of the restaurant franchises we work with, um, when we're doing that segmenting, we started to move all of those search terms that we found in our research to a tab called voice, so that we could better understand because some of that data is still available, but they're just not like if you use the um, the Google Trends tool mm-hmm. to to look for hey words. Um, you're not going to find, uh, you're going to find the, if you look at the last couple of years that this huge drop off happened where they stopped sharing the data. So there's <laughs> still a little bit of data in there, but they just stopped sharing it. I don't know why they realized realize people were searching it. <laughs> yeah, they want to yeah. know how people are using voice, you know, search. And, um, there's some, there's some data in, in search console now too, which is interesting. I, I hadn't seen that before, but a few weeks ago when they made their latest update, I started to see a few voice queries. So maybe, maybe they're going to be a little more transparent about that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't feel that voice is going to take off as much as, uh, as much as people think it is. Personally, I think that it's it's kind of there, but I think there's still this distrust about the device listening to me all the time, and uh, to speak in. You know, there's already been cases where, uh, you know, <laughs> the people, police have subpoenaed yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, and so, so I, I, I'm not sure that that semantic search is going to take off as much. But one thing, uh, and, and, you know, who knows as, as, you know, new generations start using it. But I, I, I do think, though, that, you know, you bring up a really interesting point, which is one of the primary purposes of Google is to make sure that when you ask for a query, whether it's a product or a question or whatever it is, that your answer is immediately available to to you. And so, uh, you know, as, as, as an SEO just sort of basic thing. Uh, if, if somebody is trying to rank a site, it seems to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that the sites that rank the best are the ones that answer the question in a very short, concise snippet. Um, so you can go and it's like, there's my answer. I don't even have to go to the page itself. Uh, I can just you know find the answer directly uh, from Google. But uh, it... it 
so it, it, it is there more like more focus on getting those answers down and and quick on certain queries i mean how, would you say right. that that's part of it yeah a lot of it's more upper funnel content so the 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 worry the controversy is you know you're you're taking away all my traffic why are you doing this to me google this isn't cool um but the reality is that that traffic was was awareness traffic it wasn't really you know in the in the mm-hmm. right you know phase of that buyer's journey those those queries that are more uh, purchase oriented product searches and and so forth will still render carousels of products and you know in actual listings you don't see a lot of of featured answers in there unless there's some kind of an anomaly uh, but uh, but for the most part it's still great to be there at at the top it shows the search engines that were you know in authority on the topic and that perhaps they should show our product pages and our other pages a little bit more prominently because people are referencing that um, that short answer. So uh, the the indirect effect of having a sort of no-click experience is when people do decide to click, it's usually for research purposes where they want to reference your answer because they find it to be the best. Yeah. So in that, you get curation, you get co-occurrence, and sometimes even links, reference links. So it's still worth it, and I think there's still a benefit to it. How do you get that? You know, I, I mentioned a minute ago, it's really like picking up Google Alerts and dropping your answer in when you hear them and just making sure when you when you do a query and you look at the the top 10 results that yours is is absolutely the best run a survey a poll ask people which which of these results is a better answer and why so i, I have two other areas i just want to ask you some questions on um sure. link building and page speed Okay. And uh, I just kind of want to get a feel for, uh, I've been, um, most of the SEO people I talk to talk that that's page speed has become a bigger and bigger and bigger component of SEO uh, rankings mm-hmm. is, is kind of the general consensus that I get. Yep. Um, do you agree with that? Or, I mean, I guess it, cause I imagine that's what would play into user experience, which is ultimately what mm-hmm. Google, Google wants user intent and user experience to be the, the forefront. If you're talking pure white hat, I think if you follow those two principles, you'll probably go a long way. Um, and then link building, do you see, uh, some people say it's going away. Some people say it's uh, not going away at all. Maybe something in between. Um, what, what are your two takes? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, I guess we can start with, um, well, we're just talking about link building. Let me, yeah. let me uh, talk through that one okay. really quickly. Uh, page rank is still a thing. It's, it's still something that um, even Google talked about it on a podcast about a year and a half ago. They said, our three top ranking factors are content, links, and rank brain, this whole um, you know, AI stuff yeah. that we put out. And I don't think that's going anywhere. Will it, will it depreciate as they start using other signals? Honestly, I think they already are. I think they, they have been using those other signals. I've been, I even shared the, the whole, I show up with Steve Wiedemann, SEO expert in quotes. If you did both in quotes in a search, you'll still see a few thousand instances of my name in that phrase. I still think there's a lot of other signals. If if somebody's searching for something that they found helpful before and they continue to search for that thing before, I like to use uh, Neil Patel's Anatomy of a High Converting Landing Page as an example a lot. I search for that specifically by title, by, by context. So Google you know, starts to see that, that that pattern of, hey, this page is really helpful. People are searching for it again and again and again by name. So I think, um, I think on the link building side of things, it's still going to be important um, for driving referrals. It's going to be great for um, you know, for brand awareness, there's all sorts of great reasons you're going to build links. And, you know, the, um, you know, the, the impact of it, the page rank, uh, to my knowledge, hasn't changed. If you get a really good link from a, a very high authority site, 
then there's value there. We have three criteria we look at when somebody sends us a report and like, hey, look at the links we earned. You know, what we'll do is we'll have a, a table in Excel and we'll say, okay, um, criteria number one, what is, is there a likelihood that this page that we have the link on is going to send qualified referral traffic to us? Or is it just some random page created with the link or a, a bio link or something like that, right? Uh, number two is what's the likelihood of the page itself earning links over time? Like how many times have you linked to a page on a directory? Like never, right? So, and, and really at, at the end of the day, if you talk to some of the engineers at Google, they're going to tell you most of the pages you get links from aren't very valuable unless they have inbound links pointing to them themselves. And I have a pattern because, right, algorithms are about pattern, a pattern of new links coming in over time. Even if that pattern slows, there's still a pattern. Um, so if you're on a page and you're getting a link with, with um, you know, a page that already has links pointing to it, there's value. Number three is, is what's the potential of this, this page that has my link being seen by, by potentially tens of thousands of people, like in a, in a news post or Forbes or something like that. So you look at those three criteria, as long as it matches one of those, then, then you can justify it. If it looks like it's a sponsored post, put the new sponsored, um, you know, variable in your, um, uh, you know, in your, in your actual uh, link so that you have that, that, right? On the same topic, I'm link building still. What about the idea of podcasting and being a guest on as many shows as you possibly can? And because every time you do it, you're kind of getting a link to your site through, um, through the show notes. I don't know. You know, I've never asked for one. So um, I don't know. I, I suppose if the topic is, is on par and people are sharing it and the podcast gets traffic, if, if it meets those three criteria, yeah. right, if someone's watching it and they're like, hey, I want to learn more about this guy or this SEO verified thing, cool. I, I think it's great. But I think if you're doing it specifically with the intent to get links, then eventually it'll become obvious. And they'll be like, wow, all your links are coming from podcast sites. All your links are coming from guest blog posts or, you know, it just, it creates a digital footprint that I wouldn't. More of a curiosity for me. I, I'm not, I've never really researched like the impacts of it, but I'm just kind of curious because I, I just think about like every time we have a guest on, we're putting a link to their site, like that kind of thing, whether that would have an impact. Yeah. yeah. I actually emailed John Mueller the other day. I was so frustrated with, um, with some of the link spam that was happening. We, we did some forensic work to figure out who was the, the culprit behind a, a really competitive keyword. And all of the listings except for one had the same pattern of these links coming in all from one uh, you know, specific page across multiple pages. So we ran this like pivot table to see. And we're like, oh yeah, it's obvious who did this, right? And so we reported it and there's a lot of that kind of spammy garbage still happening. And it's just... Well, they're using your site? I mean, they're doing negative SEO to you? Is that what you're saying? Or Yeah, to one of our clients. Yeah, that, that's an interesting... That's a whole nother topic that... But Andres, you, do you want to say something? Yeah, I, I actually have a question because I'm going to go back to, you know, the idea of, of creating content that Google finds valuable for like a, a query that somebody may have. So, you know, what is the best... Uh, podcast in existence, you know, marketing geeks, obviously. But uh, but if somebody types that in uh, to get that short- Joe Rogan might come up, crap. <laughs> so how how do you how what what methods do you employ to find out what those queries are and what people may ask so you can develop the page that answers the question to help rank if you find that there's an opportunity there. There's a lot of great tools. I mean, there's so many. There's so many FAQs already showing up, you know, in the search results now. You can see people also asked and there's questions. Um, there's not a lot of data behind those. You can dump them into a keyword tool and see how much search volume there is. But um, depending on, on which uh, SEO suite you're using, there's usually uh, now a question segment. For SEMrush, 
you can click right on questions after you do a, a search to see, you know, what keywords you want to start working on. Um, in Conductor Searchlight, there's a, a feature for that as well, where you can um, just put in what, where, how, et cetera. There's Answer the Public is a free tool, but there's no data. It's just a, mm-hmm. you know, really pretty little graph and, you know, some, some great ideas. Yeah. Uh, but you can you can export those, run it, put them into a table, export them, and throw them into the Google Keyword Planner to to get an idea of popularity. I mean, Google Keyword Planner does um, it does consolidate multiple queries into a keyword, so it's it's not really a good representative of how much actual search volume there is, but it will give you an indicator of popularity. So, what what softwares do you? I mean, are you like more of an uh, SEM Rush or SEMrush guy or sure. Hrefs? Because those are the two most popular ones I hear about for like kind of research. Well, for our enterprise clients, we like Conductor Searchlight. Um, for our um, you know sort of mid range clients that are um, I don't know five to twenty million, but probably SEM Rush. Um, if um, if you have a client that's just a couple hundred dollar a month client. You could probably do some damage with Moz, right? Yeah. Moz still does, you know, a pretty good job for some of the smaller accounts and campaigns. But um, the other tools that we use right now are Write, R-Y-T-E. Write allows us to do some really deep crawls, like the tool Deep Crawl. Um, but we like some of the um, some of the drill downs that we can get that we couldn't get in Deep Crawl. Is that that's a paid tool? I take it. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, a, a Screaming Frog, okay. right? Screaming Frog, but it, Screaming Frog's challenge is that when you get up to 500,000 URLs, it crashes your computer. So you have mm-hmm. to, you know, at some point say, okay, I got to use an enterprise, you know, crawl tool. So, so write SEM rush. I like to run uh, link intersect reports with Ahrefs still. That's one of my favorite tools. Unlinked mentions I can find in Ahrefs. It's uh, another great tool. Uh, in terms of CRM and how we, how we manage, uh, right now, we're using BuzzStream. There are other tools out there like Pitchbox that you could use to manage your your link earning and outreach. Our outreach approach—I uh, think those are the main software that we use. But the main approach that we use, it just on this link building topic, uh, is we start by trying to get reference links. If they won't reference us, we'll try to cross promote with them. If they won't cross promote, then we'll contribute. We'll give them something. We'll just you know try to. Just give and give and give until you know we've earned the relationship and the trust. Is that all done um, via email, or are you like just filling out like forms call, on the website? Phone. If phone, if you have to do phone. any kind of outreach, it's it's by phone. Sometimes we might start in, in social if we're already connected or in LinkedIn, uh, but um, nobody the response rate on emails is so low. If they don't know who you are, they're not going to open it. They're they're yeah. already skeptical and they feel like they're being sold yeah. something. And they often are. The last one is <laughs> sponsorship. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so reference, cross-promotion, contribution, and sponsorship. And if you want, I have a, a little free guide I put together on what the templates look like yep. for each of the sequences. If you do have to send an email or if you want to use it for social media, I'm happy to share that with you. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. If you, you, you can give us a link, uh, we can uh, put it in the show notes for our seven listeners. So uh, that would be... What was the... Um... What was the first question that you had too? You had link building? Page, page speed? Page, page speed. speed. Yeah, we do want to talk about page speed. Yeah, page speed. So I agree with exactly what you said. You said that the impact is user behavior. I know pages that take like a minute and a half to load and they're still number one because they're galleries and they're pictures and images and, and really, you know, really high definition stuff. And these are still the best pages and users vote for them through their links and their mentions and, and through searching for that content and page speed has zero impact on it. But if a, if a user is trying to make a purchase of something and, and it's, it's dragging out and they're like, okay, this sucks. The site must be broken. 
I got five minutes left on my lunch break. I want to just go somewhere else. And I think that that whole um, click and return pattern eventually draws, you know, or creates an inference with the search engines that this wasn't a good experience. Now, they did actually post in the Google blog several years ago that they were going to use page speed, mobile page speed as a ranking signal, but I don't have any direct evidence of them doing that outside of just that correlation versus causation. Yeah. So, um, and so eventually, say, yeah. eventually it'll probably, again, it's something that eventually will probably matter more um, because again, it's user experience ultimately. And if, if, if pages become really fast and then your page is taking a minute, then eventually users will leave. And, so. Yeah. And there's, and there's all sorts of new technology coming out too, to make it easier. Like there's a, there's a new version of like gzip that's supposed to be you know even faster and better that that google put out yeah, and there's some cool image tools that you could just you put on like wordpress and it'll compress every image like instantly which is pretty cool yeah, and the only thing i don't like about some of the image compression tools is that it strips a lot of the metadata and our tests have shown mm, that some of the some of the some of the <laughs> metadata and, and info that you put into um your images could actually play a role on your google image yeah system. and metadata metadata yeah. is important because they it does contribute to your overall uh seo score uh, so, so, um, what, uh, what would you, I, I mean, first of all, I, I'd love to get your take on AMP also, uh, for those of you who don't know, AMP is kind of the standardized sort of mobile, uh, standard that Google came out with, but, uh, you go on Reddit and, uh, man, they hate on AMP over there. Uh, what's your, what's your feeling, uh, about it? Um, my feeling before was always if Google puts something out, it must be a good thing. Test it, use it, try it. Um, what, what I found, what failed, was that they didn't introduce the, the guidelines on creating amazing AMP design. And the developers would, would take a page and, and put it on AMP, and it would be stripped down of a lot of functionality and features and just not be the same experience. And the developer would say, well, I guess AMP didn't work. Let's just go back to having one instead of having two and dealing with AMP. Uh, but those sites that really took the time to create a really good AMP page, like eBay, they rolled out like 2 million URLs on AMP, you know, like a year and a half after it became a thing. And, and it's been working great for them. So um, after having conversations with Pierre Farr, who, who was, you know, one of the former uh, Google engineers over there, um, I asked him that question. I'm like, do you recommend AMP? And he said, look, you're, if you're not a news site, right? For a news site, you have to have AMP to get in that little AMP, you know, news section. If you're not a news site, and you're not planning on on having your your news in in AMP view, then try to make your site as fast as what you would have by moving it to AMP first. If you can do that, you don't need AMP, and then you're still hosting your content. But if you're in this big convoluted system, this big clunky beast of a CMS, and you need a solution to to push out faster pages in this mobile indexing ecosystem we live in now, then AMP would be a good way to do that. And, you know, but you're having Google host that content, you know, you're not, you're not hosting it on your server. So there's, there's a little bit of that, you know, Google's ability to, to show what it wants to from its own um, hosting, right? Then from, and, and it makes sense, you know, Google could worry that someone's going to click on a listing in their results, it's going to have malware, but if it's going through their servers, an app or otherwise, then it's more secure. It's more, um, it gives them more, more security and peace of mind that their, their visitors are going to get a safe result. So um, I agree with Pierre. If you can make your site fast on its own without AMP um, on mobile, go for it. If you can't, 
AMP is a, a great alternative to, you know, being able to, to see higher rankings and, and have faster content if your CMS is this old clunky beast. Cool, man. Well, the, the, so much information. We, we got to have you back on uh, to explain uh, more of this stuff because I've got a ton of questions. We got to wrap up the show, but um, uh, before we do, uh, we got to find out, uh, we have our lightning round. What are you geeky about right at this particular moment? Um, at the moment, I am geeky about travel. And I'm, I'm almost addicted to it to the point where I have to stay off Instagram because I'll flip through travel like crazy. My wife and I are celebrating our 20-year anniversary this year. Nice. And thank you. We're, we're going to um, uh, Virgin Gordo in a, a place called Oilnet Bay. So I've been geeking out on all of the different like Virgin Island things to do and go and stay and see. And my wife's like, okay, I get it already. I'm like texting her all the time. And I'm just geeking out on this big trip that you know we've been planning for the last couple of years. You ever make it to the Netherlands? So no, I'd love to get out there sometime. Oh man! Well, if you got to come here, it's fantastic. If you do, look me up, please. Uh, Absolutely. I I'll, still haven't even been out there. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to convince this guy. Uh, Justin, what are you geeky about? Better Call Saul, man, it's back. Mm. <laughs> There's only a few shows I really like, and that's one of them. And. Uh, is that one? And then when, when Netflix finally rolls out dark season three, I'm excited for that. But that's like not till like June, I think. So we got a ways. I'm a star Wars fan. I'm, I'm like, I'm hoping for that Mandalorian to come. Oh, that's back right. Uh, I think it's the end of the year. I think the end of 2020, yeah. we'll, we'll get Mandalorian season. That was, two. that was messed up that they did that. Make us wait. And they dripped oh, out, they dripped it out week by week. What's up with that? <laughs> awful. Did, did you, uh, did you see the documentary that they talked about how they shot the Mandalorian, like how they did it. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's pretty uh, like, I, I got to say from a technical standpoint, when I saw what they did, it changes, it kind of changed, they changed filmmaking. Good or bad. Yeah. And, and what they did was they, they used the unreal engine, which is a video game engine uh, to do the background sets. And so they would build sets that then fit into the background. So they would build like half the spaceship, but then the rest of the spaceship would be, CGI and then they built these gigantic screens that that were like immersive so it's like a holodeck you walk in and they would build maybe just they would have like one or two kind of props but the whole background uh would be just CGI already done so the actors wow. wouldn't have to stare at a green screen to try and figure out where they were ah. they could actually be like on the set so all the backgrounds most of them were all like real time rendered with a digital, I gotta check that out. Oh, that it's, sounds amazing. Where, where where do you find that documentary? Uh, it's like a four minute documentary. It's you could just probably look up four minutes. That's not a documentary. <laughs> well, it, they, they just, yeah, it, probably just look up how did they film the Mandalorian in YouTube. I'm sure it comes up. Yeah, we've, we've been on that Rise of the Resistance twice over at Disney, and oh. uh, just every time it feels like a new experience. If you haven't gotten over there and, and done that ride yet, yeah, definitely. I, I got I got to. They just opened up the other one. They have two of them now, right? That's uh, the one, Rise of the that's Resistance. That's the new one. That's the new uh, one. Uh, what's the other one called? uh falcons run yeah and is that one Falcon good too run. is that one good also falcons run yeah yeah it's fun okay. it's yeah you need to drive the millennium falcon I, I have not been since they opened star wars land i think the last time i was at disneyland was like 2015 or 16 it's been it's been a little bit yep. i get in trouble when i call it star wars land like it's it's galaxy's oh, edge yeah, yeah. and like star yeah, wars I, land. 
Sorry. I'm in Camarillo, California, so it's not too far for me. It's only like, you know, without traffic, it's like an hour and a half to get out there, but it still doesn't happen very often because it's like $200 a day now if you want both parks. So Yeah, they don't even, they don't even have a, a blade there. Is that a knife? What do you, what do you call it? Oh, this is, this is uh, for those of you who can't hear. Yeah, it's my... Like Ninja Turtle Raphael, man. That's Raphael's weapon. Yeah, it's my, uh, it's, it's, it's my oh weapon my of choice when the apocalypse comes down. I'm, uh, you know, I got to keep my I mean, hands. I to get on your bad side. Jeez. <laughs> hey, have you, have you guys been to zombietools.net? <laughs> no, that, I got to Oh my God. I got to check that yeah, out. You're going to hate me now. Sorry. What is zombietools.net? Is that, is these guys, like... these guys make tools in case a uh, apocalypse happens. A zombie apocalypse. Oh, it's pretty cool. Good. It's actually really I got to check it out. Yeah. I got to check it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the new Star Wars uh, land uh, opens here at Euro Disney because it's only like four hours away mm. from me. So, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll happen, but, uh, yeah, you definitely need to check out the, you know, and I, 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 have talked about this a lot at length about star Wars on the show. And I, I actually, and this is weird for me. I have you seen, even, wait, have you seen episode nine yet? I have not even still seen haven't episode. Seen it. Wow. No, cause, cause the way, the way that I've described just it, stop talking. We don't, we don't care anymore. It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like going downstairs and I didn't let my dog out and now there's some poop on the floor and now it's like, Oh, it's there. I got to deal with it. Like, it's not going anywhere, but at some point I got to like interact with this. You can't, you can't poop. even go on star tours now. And then so you've seen nine cause you want to understand what's going on. Yeah. I, yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, and, and Mandalorian, I have to also, it was like, it, if, it, from a technical standpoint, like, especially when I saw the documentary, I'm like, wow, that's impressive. But the show itself was okay. It was okay. Did you finish the whole thing? I, I have like two episodes left. I mean, but you know what I did finish recently, and this is my geek thing, is uh, I, I finally, because I, I, if I really love a show, it's hard for me to like see it to the end because I don't want it to end. And uh, The Leftovers on HBO, I finally finished it. And I have to tell you, it is so incredibly good. It is the one of the best pieces of television ever. I've never created. heard of it. It's called The Leftovers? The Leftovers. It's on HBO, and it's it's what happens when one percent or two percent of the population on Earth suddenly disappears in an event that no one can explain. Oh, wow. and of course, uh, some you know there's the there's the religious aspect where people are like, this must have been the rapture, and then but you know there were like it was so random. There was like the Pope is still around, but you know drug dealers you know are gone, murderers are gone, uh, and so so it's how people deal with this kind of uh this this sort of nihilistic sort of event because it also makes everything almost meaningless but for so it's like avengers endgame but without the explanation behind yeah it. It, it pretty much <laughs> like the snap happens and so it's like lost you have to figure out what's going on is it are they in a dream is it you know yeah and, wow. and so of course like cults pop up and people you know are you know families just disintegrate because like one person disappears or you know there's no meaning anymore to things and it could happen again nobody knows but uh but i i I have to say it is so well done so well acted if you haven't seen it see the leftovers yeah it's on my list cool yeah so uh all right man well uh thank you steve for being here thank you i have me on anytime you want to if if someone if someone cancels out on you Text me. I'll jump in and All right. got you. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show, brother. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely have you back on again. Yeah. Steve, wait a minute, everybody. Thank you so, 
so much. And now uh, our producer has just stepped next to me, who also happens to be the person I'm married to, Yay. my lovely, <laughs> lovely wife, Miss Iris Sturgeon, everybody. Yay, thank you. So our next guest, Justin, is somebody we uh, correspond a lot with, and that's, uh, um, I hope I pronounce it well, uh, Daniel Geffen from Geffen Media. And uh, we have a lot of contact with him because he uh, brings up a lot of good guests, and that's what mm -hmm. his main business is at the moment. Next so so he, he brings the guests to us. Uh, yeah, yes, not yes. by bike, but uh, oh. by email. And uh, <laughs> they're, in general, pretty good guests. So uh, it's always a joy to uh, receive uh, emails from him. Uh, he also has uh, his own podcast, uh, Can I Pick Your Brain? Ooh, it's getting dangerous here now. And he just finished. He also had uh, Daniel Gavin's show. He did uh, 111... Uh, episodes and he just quit uh, at the beginning of this month so uh, you don't have to talk about that but you can talk about the other uh, podcast he wrote a book uh, international best-selling author of the self-help addict very curious what that's about and um, yeah he's very open into uh, all kinds of subjects so uh, yeah it's great to have him finally it was hard to get a date uh, uh, for him but it's great to have him finally on the show uh, next time. So, nice. uh, Daniel, looking forward to that. Perfect. Right. What, are you, what, are you, uh, what, are, what are you geeky about right now, Miss Iris? Uh, <laughs> Miss Iris is geeky about the fact that she's uh, building her own website. Um, like, really? You, you, yeah, you like learned really, WordPress. Yeah, and in you, a few you, days. You're learning WordPress and you're, you're launching your own podcast time. soon. Do you, have a, do you have a date on that yet? Uh, well, I hope uh, April 1st uh, to come uh, with the first uh, Pretty episodes. soon. By the time this yeah. airs, that might be around the same time this airs. That might be like now for people when they're listening to this. Yeah, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, and, indeed. And, uh, well, it's, it's great. It's also very exciting and a lot of work. Uh, to. Uh, I, I'm recording now uh, four or five podcasts to have something ready when I get live uh, by the 1st of April when the website is done and uh, other things uh, that need to be done. So, uh, yeah, very exciting, uh, hard work, and, uh, well, it's uh, great to be part of the world of podcasting. It's so exciting. And in the Netherlands, it's not... It's big. It's getting bigger, but it's not as big as in the United States. So uh, The early days. The early days, exactly. So, uh, yeah. So, nice see you. Uh, talk to you next uh, time, and uh, have a nice day. Our producer Bye. here is Sturgeon, everyone. Nice. Nice. She works yeah. for free because uh, <laughs> I'm married to her. Or I'm yeah, working uh, for free. I'm not sure. Daniel, Daniel Geffen. I mean, again, I'm not 100% sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I believe I am. Uh, he brought yeah, he brought us some amazing, some of our top guests, I think, have uh, kind of funneled through him one way or another. Um, so we can't reveal everything, but yeah, yeah. he's been he's been responsible for bringing us some cool people. That'll be that'll be a cool episode. Well, um, we're uh, we're posting these on YouTube now, so look up Marketing Geeks on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and uh, join us on LinkedIn. And we're probably the site should be live by the time we hear this. That's right. It will it will be live. It will be live. Marketinggeekspodcast.com. Go check it out. All right, and uh, with that, everybody. I, uh, another fine episode of the Marketing Geeks. Uh, 
yeah, man, uh, another great show. I, I, I love doing this. So connect with us on LinkedIn, connect, you know, follow us on LinkedIn with the show uh, and all that other stuff. And with that, are we going to, are we doing our close right now? That's the close. Okay. That was it. Um, with that, I guess, uh, stay, stay classy. Yes. <laughs> stay classy. Yeah. Now go away. Marketing geeks, come on, bring your friends. We'll learn marketing from distant lands. Uncle Sturgeon and Justin Womack, fun will never end. It's Marketing Geeks. Marketing Geeks. <laughs>